The following story is copyright 2013 by Gregory Adams. Lunacy. James struggled with his deepening fear. Tonight, beneath the bloated October moon that hung over the valley like a shining white wheel that turned the brown trees black, James would kill seven women. In truth, girls. He would walk from his own small house, cross the settlement, avoiding the eyes of the single watchman, Tom Dell, certain to be exhausted from the effort of building a stone wall today, and creep into each home in turn. The girls would be asleep beside their parents, all in the single bed, or, in the less fortunate homes, upon blankets and straw spread out across the dirt floor. There would be dogs, but they knew James. In a settlement of less than seventy souls, everyone knew everyone. He could do it. A downward-crushing press of his hunting knife, and the girls would expire without a whimper. But could he do it seven times? Even if he were blessed with more luck than the settlement had known since its founding, could he bring himself to do such a thing seven times? It was madness. He would be caught and named a witch himself, pressed beneath the weights, burned on a pyre, or drowned in the river. Men with axes would chop a hole in the ice large enough to accommodate his body. He'd seen it before had swung an axe himself, last winter, when all this horror began. Tonight, James would end what part of it he could. Neither God nor the devil would stop him. Life in the wilderness of the New World was beyond struggle. It was sheer suffering, a misery as constant as the sky itself, and just as inescapable. Failure was so constant the threat of complete extinction of the settlement so near that it seemed more was at work against them than just the hard country and stubborn earth, more than the savages and the brutal winters that smothered the earth for five long months at a time. It was the young girls who put a name to it, who put names to the causes of their suffering. Master July first, then his wife Abigail and widow Painter, then old Captain Grew, with his eye patch and the missing fingers, lost not in a tangle of rope, as he'd claimed, but traded to Lucifer himself in a ceremony held somewhere in the great forest, or so the seven girls insisted, when their passions took them. All those good folk were all dead now. Burned, pressed, drowned, given up to the urgency to find the roots of evil and dig them out, no matter how deeply they burrowed. The girls were quiet now, as James began his own cleansing work. Only the moon watched. He killed five of the girls before they caught him. And in the last silver streams of the setting moon, the streaming blood that covered his arms and chest seemed the only color in the world. As the settlement awoke, screams went up from women and men, their voices sailing high into the deep winter silence like the baying of wolves. Minister Cornwell came forward, wrapped in black blankets against the cold, feet sheathed in thick wool socks that collected the first shallow snows in small hard clumps at his ankles. He looked at James, then upwards towards the sky, where the last lingering edge of the moon held against the mountains, 
brighter than the sunset that had preceded it. He is a lunatic, the minister said in judgment. The winter moon has taken his senses, and the devil has filled the void with wickedness. James struggled against the men who held him. It seemed he couldn't feel their grip upon his arms, although they were strong men, and held him tightly. I am no lunatic, he cried. He shouts like a gunshot in the night. It is you who all are mad. To kill so many of your own neighbors, your own families. To call them witches and murder them in God's name. Minister Cromwell raised a hand, two fingers outstretched in a defense against James's blasphemy. The girls were brought forward, Genevieve Bale and Virginia Tuck. The two he had failed to kill. James had fancied Genevieve once, when he had been young. He didn't recognize her now, wrapped in the black hide of a bear her father had shot last year. Master Bale had died beneath the weights last month. These girls are no prophets, James said. They are mad. All seven were mad. Genevieve's eyes shot up in her head. She fell to the snow without a sound, even as Virginia pointed at James and screamed, a mad, wild panic in her eyes, her voice a thing which many would later swear could not have come from such a small vessel. James struggled and cursed. He denied God, the devil, the church. He charged madness upon the settlement, blamed the girls for the hysteria that had claimed so many already. Minister Cromwell stepped forward. His earlier glance skyward had shown clouds gathered on the western rim of the bright sky, promising deeper snow. It would be difficult to try a man for witchcraft in the coming storms, but he knew that there would be time, before the houses are shut and the church is lost beneath the deepest white, for one more. There was always time for one more, if it were done right. He leaned over James and spoke quietly, You denounce God now but you will pray before the end. I promise you that. James did pray, as the stones were piled up and the weight grew to irresistible amounts. But his prayers found no answer.